You're listening to the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast, episode number 36. So today I am bringing a special guest on. Um, Her name is Francine Waskovitz, and she was my memory health coach. Um, And I wanted to interview her because I thought it would be helpful to bring some new and um, different ideas for you to help you heal if you're struggling with memory issues. I know for me personally, this was something I struggled with for a really long time. And a lot of you may already know that um, when you experience emotional abuse or any sort of psychological abuse and trauma, that your memory takes a back seat. And really that's because you are in a heightened state of fear. Um, A lot of times we're put in this fight or flight mode and the memory really doesn't jump up to do its job. So I'm wanting to bring Francine on here so that she can share with you the ways in which you guys can um, help your memory and do lots of different things to really enhance your healing. So stay tuned because I think you're really going to like this one. Welcome to the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast a podcast specifically designed to help you heal after a toxic or narcissistic relationship. This podcast teaches you to use your subconscious mind to go from feeling stuck to set free. In here, you will learn how to use the power of your own mind to free yourself from emotional pain, move forward with confidence, and experience the inner peace you deserve in your healing journey after emotional abuse. I'm your host, and subconscious reprogramming coach, Allison Dagny. So let's get started. So today we're going to be talking about memory. And this is one of my favorite topics because I don't know about you, but after experiencing emotional abuse for so long, I struggle with my memory a lot. And to help with this, I've brought in a memory health coach. Her name is Francine Waskovitz. And I am so excited about this discussion. So Francine, thank you for being here. I'm going to turn it over to you and let you introduce yourself to my audience. Sure. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here with you today. So I am a holistic memory health coach, and I help women overcome and prevent memory loss. Um, My background is really in speech and language pathology, and I've been working with memory and cognitive function for really the last decade but I realized in this space that there wasn't much help for people with early signs of memory loss. And that unless we were looking at the whole person and the big picture, we weren't really seeing much progress doing memory strategies. So I now I in my practice, I get to look at the whole person. I went back to school to become a health and wellness coach. And so when I'm speaking with somebody about their memory or their memory loss, I get to help them with their background, their stress management, their attention, their diet, and their sleeping habits so that we can really address the whole picture. Wow. Well, that's, that's awesome. And I personally, um, know you because you've coached me and you've helped me a ton because And as you know, this is the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast, and part of the reason that I came to you was because I was struggling with my own memory issues. And um, so we're going to talk a lot about that because there may be people here listening who are struggling with that too. You know, when you end up being in that fight or flight position for so long, um, your memory takes a back seat. So, and you know, and you can explain all of that to the audience. So 
what I'm really um, curious about you um, is how did you get started in wanting to help people with their memory? Was there like something, some spark or some reason that kind of drew you to this? That's such a good question. I think honestly, working in the traditional healthcare system for 10 years really started to weigh on me because I couldn't help but look around and notice how unhealthy we were as kind of a population. I was seeing clients day in and day out with memory loss, with dementia, with cognitive dysfunction. And it just started to weigh on me. I knew that there was more that we could do. I've always, always been interested in health and wellness and healthy eating. And I love to exercise. And I wanted to be able to align that with the work that I was doing day in and day out. And so though my work in the beginning was mostly with seniors, it felt like even the kids of the seniors that I would be working with everybody was struggling with their memory and with clear thinking and with brain fog. And so it seemed like a good place for me to start because I already had the expertise in memory and I was able to merge it with sort of more of my passion, which is the healthy eating and the exercise and the brain reprogramming, which I just love. I love to read about. I love to talk about. I love to study in my own time. So I just sort of stepped into it. And really quickly after I launched my practice, it evolved because I thought I would be working mostly with seniors online. And that's not what happened. I ended up getting a lot of people reaching out that were women in their 40s and 50s. And so only a few months in, I shifted my focus because I was enjoying that kind of work so much. And now that's really where I help the most is women in their 40s and 50s, some women in their 60s too. Wow. So it seems like it's probably way more common than people realize. And maybe not even just common, but maybe people kind of want to put their heads in the sand about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, it's, it's, I think it's one of those things that people struggle with and they don't even always know that there's a solution for it. And I'm always talking about how society has sort of normalized it for people, just like they've normalized hustle culture and overwhelm, that it can be really hard when you can't remember information and your recall doesn't feel sharp and you can't think clearly. It impacts every part of your life, your relationships, your confidence at work and in in conversations. And the more I'm talking about it, the more women will come forward and say, gosh, that's me. Mm -hmm. So it is quite common. Yeah, it seems like it, you know, and a lot of times I think people just feel really alone. I mean, I know I did because when I was in the relationship, as you know, um, I was accused of having a bad memory and I was gaslit in a lot of ways and I was in fight or flight, but I didn't really feel like other people could relate to me. I just felt like something was wrong with me. I felt very alone in the the problems that I felt like I was having. And then I think it was sort of like, kind of like a vicious cycle where I was told I had such a bad memory. And then I would show up in ways that proved that I had a bad memory. And then after I escaped, then I really did feel like I had a bad memory and I needed to fix it. So I felt really desperate and really alone. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. So Can we talk a little bit about how you've seen this as far as when people have been um, in a state of fight or flight, when they have been experiencing emotional abuse, how that really impacts your memory? 
Sure. So trauma and PTSD really have an interesting effect on the brain because on one hand, it can make you really hyper-focused on a specific detail or trigger that kind of gets emblazoned into your brain while simultaneously you're so hyper-focused on that one detail of the situation that anything in your periphery sort of gets ignored. And moving forward, it can create patterns where it's harder to focus and harder to recall details. And it can make it feel like your attention is stuck on that triggering event and you're in this sort of daze otherwise, and you kind of tune out the other details. But your attention is required in order to form new memories. And so it has that you know, sort of interesting effect of that hyper-focus and that dampening on the rest of it. Yeah. And I feel like that was my experience too, where I could really focus on some things, but then other things that were maybe really, truly important for me to remember just didn't solidify in my mind as far as memory goes. And so I love that when you were coaching me, one of the things that you said that that sticks with me even to this day is that, is this important to remember and how will I remember it? And it just makes you um, pay attention more. It makes you create intention, I guess. And that was a big part of um, something I didn't realize when it came to memory health that I just, maybe like a lot of people thought that if I just do puzzles or if I just do Sudoku, or if I just do these other things and out my memory will get better. But the more I did those things, nothing, still nothing would change. Mm -hmm. It's a common misconception that brain games will help your memory. Brain games will help you get stronger at brain games. So Mm -hmm. if you love crossword puzzles and you love to do them, doing more of them will make you better at them, which is cool if you love crossword puzzles. Translate over in the day to day life. Instead, we have to retrain our attention and our focus. And, like you said, create intention. When you're struggling with your memory, we have to have that moment of pause to decipher is this important for me to remember? Because sometimes the answer is no. You can make more space and let it go. And other times the answer is yes. And then how do we help ourselves to remember it? Yeah, I love that because to me, it just sort of like, a light bulb went on, like, because I had never really been in the habit of thinking in those terms, where it felt like that I was actually taking control back, right? I felt like, oh, wait, I can actually impact my memory myself, right? Instead of just thinking like, maybe if I do a puzzle, or maybe if I, you know, try to learn something new, and I think all of those things are probably great for us. But really the intention was big for me. It was making sure that I was being super intentional about what I was doing to help with my memory. So what do you think would, you know, people who are struggling with memory issues, like let's say after they've experienced a lot of emotional abuse or trauma, PTSD, like you mentioned, relate, what is something really important that you would like people like that to know about memory? So especially for people suffering from PTSD, one important factor to know would be is that memories are actually highly malleable. In fact, people that have memories in general, just any person, your memories over time start to shift. They morph. The story changes just naturally. And that's because when you retell a story, and this could be about anything, a party on the beach, let's say, 
if I'm remembering and retelling a story one year later, naturally there's actually gaps in my recall of that scenario that my brain just fills in for me. So I'm not intentionally exaggerating or um, shifting the details, but it, it does shift with time. And that can be beneficial when you're stuck with a memory that you want to move away from, because you can tell yourself sort of the 2.0 version of it that's something slightly different from that memory that pops up each time and recreate your feelings around that memory. Yeah, because a lot of that trauma is stored in the memory, right? So I never really thought of it that way as far as it fit your brain sort of filling in the gaps about those things, but it can, it could potentially keep you in that emotional state or help you move out of it, right? We've got to be able to use it for our best benefit. So when that's going on, so like, let's just say that we are really just struggling to recall things. Like, let's not talk about as far as like the trauma piece of it, but let's just say just in general, you know, we're moving on, we're trying to heal from this emotional abuse that we've experienced and we can't remember things. Like we're literally feeling that brain fog. We're literally feeling really, uh, gosh, just down and low about ourselves because our relationships are suffering. And like you said, we might have confidence at work and things like that. Obviously we need to be really patient with ourselves and Mm -hmm. care for ourselves because this is something that um, we can work on. But I think people want to know, is it possible, right? Is it possible to change? Is it possible to get better? Is it possible to fix that memory? And I think that's where you come in. 100% it's possible. And if we're starting from ground zero, we can't talk about brain health without also talking about your nutrition, your sleeping habits, your stress management. So if we can take a look at the person aside from their memory and really work on some of those areas, it can give us a new starting ground to go off of. Let's, you know, prioritize getting a healthy amount of sleep and feeling refreshed to start the day. Let's prioritize, you know, nourishing your mind with nutrients that fuel better brain health. And then let's take a look at the memory patterns themselves and make some changes. Let's audit the demands on your energy. You know, where are you kind of leaking power from? You know, where is your attention focused and scattered? And how can we kind of clean that up a little bit and streamline? And how can we wake up your brain to kind of come out of those patterns where maybe you've been putting so many other people's needs first that you're not even in tune with yourself and you're not alert and aware in your own space to recall and receive information to recall later. Yeah. So it's really just that holistic um, method, you know, to looking at this is not just one thing, but there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of pieces to the puzzle in order to help these things shift and change. And I know that because I did a lot of these things with you and it really did make a huge difference in my memory. The tips and tools and techniques and things that you helped me with were so, so amazing because there were things that like might seem really simple to the average person, but you're like, I've never done that before, right? I've never tried to do this or I've never really paid attention. You know, when we get into these sort of, I like to call them, um, kind of like zombies, not the right word, but you know, like when you're just doing something and you're not really thinking, you're not really thinking about like driving or taking a walk and you're not being super present. Um, 
that can be really good to kind of get to your subconscious, but also you're, you're really far away from being present and paying attention to the things that maybe you need to be alert to, to help you get into those habits of paying attention and habits of remembering. And so I really, really love that. The piece that is, I think really important that you bring to the table is that this is not just doing one thing. This is a combination of things. This is like you said, what's your sleep? What's your nutrition? What kind of stress levels? Are you putting yourself first? Are you being aware of what habits you have and what you don't have and what needs to improve? So I absolutely love that part because the thing that was exciting to me about it is like, if there was one area that I wasn't really good at, I could really compensate um, in another area. So like my sleep, particularly my personal sleep, I can hit the pillow and fall asleep within five minutes. So sleep- I envy you so much for that. (laughs) Sleep is not a problem for me. Like I really love my sleep. I take naps during the day sometimes. Like sleep is not an issue, but I had other issues in other areas like my physical uh, working out, like doing doing things for my physical body that I really kind of just, just kind of pushed to the side. And so Mm -hmm. it was like, well, I could feel really good about, certain areas, but could look at and see, I need to improve in other areas. And these things are all a combination that makes it easier. I think when you look at it that way versus I have all these things I have to figure out. No, I'm really good in certain areas and I can, you know, stand to improve in other areas. And Mm -hmm. that I think is really, um, hopeful it was at least for me and should be able to be a lot of um, hope and encouragement for other people if they're struggling with their memory issues. So you can look at it in in a lot of different ways, but I like to look at it like there's many areas and I might be good in one area and I might not be so good in another area, but then I can improve. And I did towards the end of our program, I did like overall improve, you know, and I do feel it. So I think that that, you know, that's really why I wanted you here because I think it's so important for people to understand that one, it is possible. And two, it doesn't have to be this like overwhelming, awful, scary thing that you're doing to help yourself. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. In fact, we don't want it to feel overwhelming and daunting. We want to segment it into small, easier parts so that we can actually make progress. Backtracking a little bit, one of the things that you were talking about is sort of being in that trance where you're going through the daily motions and you're not fully awake it's sort of like being in autopilot. And I know that was something you and I discussed when I said, get outside and go for a walk. And I want you to notice one or two things that happens on this walk, a bird in a tree, you know, a bow on a mailbox, a wreath on somebody's door, something that you may not have noticed otherwise when you're walking in your, in your own mind, kind of get out of your mind a little bit. And then I want you to try to remember those details a little bit later in the day. And I know that that was something you walked right into because you were very willing. You knew exactly what you needed and you just excelled. You took off, you took it to heart and you ran with it, which was amazing. And I think you did do great. You know, even early on in the program, you started to see those signs of change and those, those signs of change stack up to make a big difference. Yeah. I remember doing that. I still do that exercise because I feel like it's like anything else. It's a muscle, right? If we don't work it out, it's not going to get stronger. So, you know, being able to, to have that, um, 
situational awareness, understanding what's going on around you is so, so crucial. And so I remember, I think I may have told you this story, but one day I was driving down my road, like a main road. It's a long road. It's maybe like four miles. And I've driven this road hundreds of times. And one day as I was driving, I was like, okay, I'm what, am, what can I pay attention to today? And I noticed these big yellow and orange pipes like sticking out of the ground on like, you know, maybe, I don't know, half a mile apart or, you know, just in different increments of, of distance. And I was like, what are those things? And they were tall. They were like five feet tall. And I realized they were gas lines or like markers for gas lines. And I mean, to tell you, I could see then every single one of them because I was now paying attention to them. I know where they are like before, but I've driven this road hundreds of times. I'd never, ever even seen them. And I know they've been there. Right. New because there wasn't like new construction. Like they were just always there. And Mm -hmm. I just was in autopilot and I wasn't Mm -hmm. paying attention. So not that those are important things for me to remember. Right. That's not important. But what happened is my brain started getting into the habits of paying attention. Mm-hmm. And the more I was paying attention, the more I could recall things. Now I'm paying attention to signs. Now I'm paying attention to if there's people outside. Now I'm paying attention to things that may be actually important because I've been rewiring and retraining my brain to pay attention to those things. So I really, really love that exercise. So hopefully people can take that away from today's episode too. Like just get out there doing something that is um, an autopilot exercise for you. Something that you're not really like consciously aware of when you're doing things, driving, taking a walk, you know, anything like that. And then paying attention to something you normally wouldn't pay attention to. And then later try to recall it. What was that? Was it the bow on the mailbox? Was it the wreath on the door? Was it the barking dog? Like whatever it is. And basically what you're doing is just training your mind to pay attention, which I absolutely love. It was a huge help for me. Yeah. It's so important to learn how to channel your mental energy because it is totally human nature to zone out. We do things in autopilot because our brain can't remain alert 24 seven. It's not designed to do that. But when you're struggling with your memory, learning to control your attention and channel your mental energy is really valuable because there are certain things that you do want to remember and you do want to tune into so that you can recall them later. But you can't do that if you're kind of in the zone or in the trance or just going through the motions. And so if you can practice waking up your brain very intentionally on a 10 minute walk or a five minute drive or even a piece of a drive, then you have better control over it in the future. Yeah, I I absolutely love it. And it I still do it, even though our coaching sessions have have ended, but I still do those things because they gave me so much control over my own memory. And it helps me not only in that way, as far as like, you know, people, you might think, oh, well now you just remembered where those gas lines are, but no, like I'm actually remembering things more because I'm doing it in all aspects of my life. When my kids get in the car and I have a conversation, I'm paying attention to the words that they're saying more. When I'm on a call with someone, I'm paying attention to them more intently. So it's sort of as like, you know, if you build up your muscle, um, like your bicep muscle, because you want to be stronger at pitching, 
you're still going to be stronger at opening up the pickle jar, right? So mm-hmm. like you're you're still it's it's crossing over, right? Even mm-hmm. though it might not seem like it in the moment, it is actually impacting you in that way. Yeah. Your brain is a use it or lose it kind of organ. And unfortunately, with our attention being split in so many different directions these days and just the complete overwhelm and constant distraction, we create these patterns of zoning out. So when we can zone back in and gain that control over where we're focusing, then we can apply it to different areas of our life with intention. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, because I remember this being a big thing for me too, like being a mom, being a single mom, having three kids who have multiple places to be and multiple things mm-hmm. they've got to do and school and sports and my multiple jobs that I have and all the responsibilities, right? That is probably resonating with people who are listening, <laughs> these par- parents and moms who are busy, who have a lot of different directions that their intention is being pulled and one thing that um, that I remember that you talked about was that sometimes we can just either, you know, I don't know, we had to decide what's really important to pay attention to. Like, is this something I can just automate? Is this something I can, you know, give away or delegate to someone else? Is this something that I really need to pay attention to? Or is this something that's just taking up a lot of space in my brain? Mm-hmm. Yep. So really what we're doing is we're auditing the demands on your mental energy, which is just pausing and taking a look at where is your attention divided throughout the day. And, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm a busy mom. I'm a small business owner. I've got a lot of other things going on too. And it can feel really hard to relinquish control over different aspects of your day. But if you're struggling to pay attention in areas of your life and you want to be able to focus on what matters, then you have to streamline to what matters the most. And I know that was something you and I discussed. We talked about the AIDS strategy, which is automate, delegate, eliminate, and simplify. And though it makes you take a hard look at what that means for you and what you can relinquish control of, if you can boil it down to the things that really matter, then you can give those things that matter your full attention and not feel like you're scatterbrained trying to do everything all at one time and do it all well, because you're kind of setting yourself up for letting one plate come crashing down to the ground. Yeah. And that's how I felt because I never really thought about how easy it would be to automate some of the things that I just don't want to have to remember that. I don't want to have to remember to order toilet paper. Like right. every time I go to the grocery store, I forget to get toilet paper because mm-hmm. it's one of those big giant things that takes up so much room in my cart, but I can order it on Amazon and I can do a subscribe and save or something like that to make it way easier. And it's not something I ever have to think about again. Like I can just do things that help me eliminate the distractions and the things that don't really require as much attention that they need to be done, right? They need to happen, but I have way more important things that I want to focus my memory on. And I want to make sure my, that was the biggest thing for me. The reason I came to you was because of relationships, right? Because I felt like sometimes my relationships were suffering because I'd have conversations with people in my life and they would say things like, we already talked about that. Don't you remember that? Um, Or they might get frustrated because they'd already told me before my kids, my boyfriend, my parents, you know, friends, things like that. I mean, it wasn't like a major issue, but it was enough to get me 
to sound the alarm. It, it was like, oh, wait a minute, something's wrong. And I need to get a hold of this because I'm all about right doing whatever I can do to be the best version of myself I can be. I want to heal. It was exactly the same when I escaped my ex. I was like, I'm not going to let this prevent me from being the best version of myself. And so when I noticed that this memory issue was continuing, one, I felt really alone about it, but I also felt like there has to be, I know about the brain. I know the brain is neuroplastic. I know we can change it. So that's why I was like, all right, I got to find somebody who can help me with this. And you did. And when I found you, I was so excited. So what do you, you know, what do you think are some small steps or changes that those of us who have experienced emotional abuse, those of us who are struggling with our memory, what are some just really small steps that people can do to start moving them in the direction of healing those um, memory issues that they might be having? So starting where we talked about earlier with taking a look at your mental energy and trying to streamline and trying to wake up your brain a little bit, and then taking a look at what specifically you're forgetting, right? Is it details of a conversation? Is it appointments? Is it that you're forgetting supplies from the store and you struggle with lists and really focusing on focusing in on what specifically you are forgetting? and developing strategies to hold you accountable that work for you. One of the biggest mistakes that I see women make is that when they're struggling with their memory, they're quick to adopt strategies sort of blindly that they see work for other people. So they might buy themselves a sparkly new planner, even though they're not the type to use a planner, or they might try to set up a calendar in their phone, even though that's not their ideal way of recalling information or supporting their memory. So it takes being honest with yourself a little bit. Do I like to write things down? Am I, you know, more tech savvy and I like to use apps and calendars in my phone? Am I a paper and pencil kind of person? Will I look back at this if I leave myself a note? But just really truly honing in on yourself and asking yourself what you need in order to remain accountable for re remembering something and not really you know, comparing it to what you think might help or to what helps other people, but trial and error on the things that you think will help you. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense because <clears throat> if you have a very unique learning style, um, you're not going to, you know, let's say you like to learn hands-on. Well, if somebody gives you a book to read about something, it's going to be harder for you to learn that. So it's making sure that it's, a healing strategy that is going to work with you and your needs and what's unique for you, mm -hmm. which is makes makes total sense. But I see how that could be a mistake that you you could see a lot because people will give advice and say, oh, just get a planner, or, oh, just do this, or oh, put sticky notes all over the place, right? But if you're not the kind of person that like you could put sticky notes up, but if you don't read the sticky notes and you just walk right by them, they're not helping you. You're just wasting your exactly. time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You have to tune in a little bit more. It's a little bit of some self-exploration there to see like what really works for you and then trying it and seeing if you can put that in place and maintain it. And if you can't, then maybe it's not the right strategy for you and we need to go back to the drawing boards. And I think this is where having a coach or an outsider perspective can be helpful to kind of guide you through some of that work and, you know, help you hold yourself accountable but also create systems that make sense to do it. Yeah, I completely agree because 
I know I wouldn't have been able to do that without your help because, well, one, you have the expertise that I didn't have as far as the memory goes, but because you have experienced people who've had similar issues, you may have experienced things yourself and you have the tools and the strategies and the understanding of um, how to help people in unique ways, right? Because my situation isn't the same as everyone that you deal with. Some people may not have emotional abuse and maybe they just have general, uh, maybe they have ADHD or something like that where, where it creates some issues with attention or memory or things like that. So being able to make it unique to you, Right. And I say that I say that a lot, too, with healing as far as like just in how I help people in my coaching businesses, you know, if it's not working for you, then we need to switch. Right. Because it's like trying to force a round peg into a square hole. Like it's just not going to happen or a square right. it's not it's not going to happen. So um, why are we trying to force something that isn't really going to be effective or help you? And then you're just wasting your time and your energy and your your money and all of that other stuff, um, doing things that really aren't effective. So I love that you have that approach as far as like what's working, let's try some things. If this isn't working, let's switch to something else. You know, how do you learn? How, how do you operate in your day? Right. Because one thing that I love to do that helps with my memory that you taught me was putting something in a place that you'll see it. Like, if you know, you have to remember to like, like my son's Jersey, he texted me and he was like, can you bring my Jersey to my soccer game? And I remembered, is this important to remember? If so, how will I remember it? Because I've got a lot of other stuff going on and he texts me in the day. So I immediately knew this is important. He needs this tonight. He won't have his Jersey if I don't bring it. So I went to his room and I got the Jersey and I, I threw it on the stairs because Mm -hmm. I'm upstairs and I have to go downstairs to leave. So I threw it on the stairs because I knew that when I was leaving, I would see it and I would grab it and I would take it with me immediately. So, but that's how I learned. But if, if it came to sticky notes, like sticky notes, don't do it for me because mm-hmm. I don't read the sticky notes. Like I just mm-hmm. will ignore them. I've got other things going on. I don't stop and pay attention to my little sticky notes. That's just not me. So right. you know, up that said, get the Jersey, I'd walk right past it. Exactly. And that's the thing is we want to work toward working with your brain and making it easier for you. And when you adopt the wrong strategies or somebody else's strategies, what happens is that it creates even more frustration and self-doubt moving forward. And that just doesn't help you. It can discourage you from actually doing anything about it because now you're resigning yourself into like, gosh, I can't remember anything. And this is just how it's going to be versus really nailing down those right strategies and trying them out and making them habits that stick. Yeah. Habits are so important. And I know, you know, this, and I talk about this a lot is that brains, our brains are wired for habits. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we are, have habits of not paying attention, it's just going to keep continuing. So we have to change those habits slowly and deliberately so that now the automatic habit is paying attention instead of not paying attention. And that's what my experience was with the changes that I went through as far as my memory was I started to feel a shift in just how I operate every day, like just paying attention to things, just being more present. Um, And then people in my life started saying things like, wow, 
like, I remember my boyfriend one day, he was like, I, I sent him a message or something. I don't even remember what it was now. Isn't that funny? Ironic. I don't remember what it was, <laughs> but, but I sent him something and he said, wow, thank you so much. I didn't even have to remind you about that. Mm-hmm. And so because I had made it such an intention to pay attention to it and give myself reminders and things like that, that it actually started to change the relationships that I have with people. And that was my goal, right? Because mm-hmm. I came to you with this, like, oh my gosh, this is affecting my relationships, but now Mm -hmm. it's in such a different space and people are noticing. My family is noticing. My boyfriend is noticing. And that was so, so important to me. So I'm really happy about that. Well, and I love to hear that. And I think the underlying cause for that change too, is you've built up that memory confidence, right? And confidence shines through everything. So if you're no longer having that self-doubt and you're no longer questioning yourself all the time, now you're showing up with that memory confidence because you don't have to second guess all the time. It can make a huge difference across the boards and how you show up for other things in your life. So I love to hear that. That is the end goal. I'm always looking for with my clients. Yeah. And I'm, um you had just brought up the the self-doubt and that's something that a lot of people one struggle with after emotional abuse, but then it's interesting how it ties to your memory too, because self-doubt is just something that happens because of someone constantly um, criticizing you or criticizing your decisions or making you feel guilty about what you decided or whatever it might be. And so coming out of an emotionally abusive relationship, a lot of times victims and survivors feel like they can't trust themselves. They feel that self-doubt. They feel like they, they're not going to make the right decisions or they can't make decisions or they won't. And um, it's interesting how that also kind of aligns with your memory issues too, because if you've been abused for so long, made to believe that you have a terrible memory, which maybe you have experienced memory issues even after that, which is normal, but then you're doubting your yourself and your memory, mm-hmm. but creating this confidence back, taking action in order to show your mind and prove to yourself. Like that was really big for me. Like when I first started, like, oh my gosh, I remember that it actually creates so much more confidence and then it removes the self-doubt. So it sort of is like a two for one, you know, like right. you're you're already like improving your memory, but you're also re- reducing that self-doubt, which is amazing. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to be able to show up and feel reliable. And if somebody's taken that away from you, it's hard to build it back up. And when you get that feeling of, I am reliable, I'm showing up for myself each and every day then it's a good feeling. You and I talked a little bit about this when you mentioned the word, the trigger around the word consistency. Mm -hmm. And we had to do some mindset work a little bit there and use other words to, to get the point across that you do in fact show up consistently, even if that's not the word you want to use to describe it. Yes. Yeah. I remember that because it was really hard for me to show up consistently in certain areas of my life. And so I was kind of bogging down on that. And I was like getting down on myself on that. But then through this, it was like, well, hold on. I do. I show up consistent, consistently 
on a ton of things, right? Mm -hmm. I was just putting it in this little box and then I ended up beating myself up over it and it really wasn't the case. So it's a matter of how you're looking at things and how you're interpreting things and your perceptions and all of that is so, so crucial to not only the healing part, but also helping things with your memory. Because, you know, if I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, I'm not being consistent on this or I'm not being consistent on that and I'm bogging myself down and I'm not confident. I'm not going to want to take action to do things that actually show me that I am consistent in a lot of areas of my life. I do have a good memory and a lot of things, right? I remember a ton of stuff. I have a lot to right. remember, right? But it's that creating that confidence in yourself to help you become or get closer to that version of yourself that you want to be. So because this is all about healing, this is the emotional abuse recovery podcast, right? I want people to be able to take anything that they can from any episode here and apply it in their life in a way that is helpful to them. They might say, you know what? I don't like that idea. That's fine. But maybe they say, oh, I love that idea, right? So anything that I can do to bring some guidance, some tips, some tools. And that's why I'm so glad that you are here. So is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience about memory, about brain health, just in general, or anything that we didn't touch on already? I think just a message about continuing to move forward. You don't have to change everything overnight, but even one small change here and there can make a big difference because it all adds up. And that small change can be focusing on drinking more water throughout the day, focusing on a nourishing meal to start your day, you know, three times a week and setting a small but attainable goal that leaves you feeling successful in the end so that your brain can latch on to that success and propel you forward instead of keeping you stuck where you are. You know, even just being here, listening to your podcast, the listeners that are here, you're taking steps forward. That is a step forward. And so just keep moving in that direction and, you know, reach out for help along the way if you need it and support yourself however you can and it'll continue to get better. Yeah, I love that. That's really great advice because sometimes people look at the whole picture of healing or the whole picture of you know, fixing my memory. And it seems like these daunting tasks, but it's, I say this a lot to my clients. It's like a marathon, right? We're not going to jump out of bed tomorrow and run 26 miles. Mm -hmm. We're not, it's just not going to happen, but maybe tomorrow we'll set our alarm for six in the morning and get up and put on our running shoes and go outside for a walk, right? That's one step. Maybe it's, we decide all week, we're going to just drink a ton of water so that we can go out and run a mile so that we feel totally hydrated, right? It's just the little steps to take to propel you forward. Because if we're looking at this daunting task of running 26 miles, well, nobody's going to get out of bed, right? Right. But if it's one step at a time, okay, I can, I can get out of bed at six in the morning and put on my running shoes and go for a walk, right? That's one step. I know I'm not going to run this 26 mile marathon tomorrow, but I might be able to run it in a year or I might be able to run it in six months from now. So it's the mm -hmm. same thing. I think it's the same thing. And what you're saying is just kind of break it down, small steps. And, and you, you've made um, some goals, right? You set some goals and then you accomplish those goals and you feel really good about it. Like, wow, look what I did yesterday. I set my alarm. I got up early and I went for a, a mile walk. 
And then the next day I did two. And then the next day I ran a mile or whatever, however that shows up for you. And obviously this isn't about a running, but this is a analogy that I'm using as far as it's the same thing for your memory and it's the same thing for your emotional health and healing. So mm-hmm. thank you. So something that I love to ask all of my um, guests on my podcast is what is something about you that not a lot of people know? Oh gosh, putting me on the spot here. I'm not sure. Um, this, this one I haven't shared anywhere else and you probably don't even know this, but I have a lot of tattoos and it takes people by surprise because they always see me from here up. And then if they ever catch me on the beach, they're like, oh my gosh, who are you? So since I'm on this, I'll just throw it out there. I would have never dreamed that. Never yeah. that in a million years. <laughs> I get that every time. Every time people are like, I never would have expected that of you. And I'm like, well, you know, you can't always just expect things of people who take each other by surprise. But we have these like stereotypes and things about people. I don't have a single tattoo only because um, I think they're beautiful. And I think that I, th- there might be some that I might like to have, but I just hate pain. Like I don't like needles and I don't like pain and I don't want to sit there and experience that like at all. So if I, if they could do painless tattoos, I probably, I probably would be okay with that, but I can't stand. I don't, it's not like I'm afraid of needles. Like I can get a shot or an IV. Like that's not a problem. It's the pain that I have to sit there for an extended period of time and feel that I don't want to do that. So yeah, but, it's not wow. as bad as they seem, but yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that from a lot of people. So, okay. So thank you so much, Francine. Um, Where can people find you? If they want to work with you, if they want to connect with you on social media, can you tell us where they can get a hold of you? Sure. So on social media, I'm my full name at Francine Waskovitz and same as my website, it's FrancineWaskovitz.com. And I offer people a free coaching call to get started so they can kind of share their concerns with me and I can tell them about how I can help and answer any questions they have. So if they're looking to connect, they can find me there. Excellent. And I will also include those links um, in the show notes because Francine Waskovitz is maybe difficult for people to spell. So (laughs) I'll I'll include that in the show notes. So all they have to do is go down there, look at it, click on it, and it'll take them straight to your social media pages and your website. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here with me today in the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast. I hope you found value here with me. If this podcast episode was helpful to you, I'd love for you to hit subscribe and leave me a review. My goal is to help you go from feeling stuck to set free. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, and you can check out whentearsleavescars.com for more resources and information to help you with your own emotional abuse recovery. Until next time, here's to believing in